episode 882. Today we look at the young players on the Green Bay Packers roster, the ones that are producing and the ones that need to produce. We'll single them out with Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're looking ahead to a game against the Cleveland Browns. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog. Joining us is he does every second Friday of the month here on the show for his monthly engagement. Scott, how you doing today? I'm great, Brian. How are you doing? Very good. We're going to preview the Cleveland Browns game coming up here. But before we do that, we kind of have a theme for today's show. And, and uh, Scott, we're going to talk about some of the Packers' young players on their roster. And I, I kind of came up with a theme for this. I'm calling it heaven, purgatory, and hell. So <laughs> some of the young players that are in heaven that are living up or exceeding expectations, uh, some of the players in purgatory that are that are kind of, we don't know where they're going to go right now, and, and some of the players in hell, and, and please, you know, uh, let us uh, give us a little bit of flexibility. We, we don't really mean they're playing so bad, but the guys who just need to produce more, and they're still young, and they may produce more. But I, I, Scott, I want to start with the good players. So we'll, we'll start out positively today. And um, a couple players on this list I, I want to get your reaction to. And, and let's start with the running backs, the rookie running back duo of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Your thoughts on them? And even how do you use these guys as soon as this week against the Browns? You know, they're, they're just great complementary backs. And, uh, both have proven to potentially be three down backs, which has been very exciting. And they complement each other so well with, uh, you know, to steal the old thunder and lightning adage. You watch the way that Williams runs and, you know, something as simple as taking that one yard touchdown run that he scored last week against Tampa. And that was just sheer willpower on a terribly blocked play. And it looked like it was going to be a two to three yard loss. But, um, you know, you saw that, uh, uh, an infusion of biceps from uh, from Williams just powering his way into the end zone. And then you saw um, Jones on his touchdown, again, a t- what looked to be a terribly blocked play. But he had the vision, the quickness, and the speed to bounce it to the outside and just true instincts to, uh, to smell the opening and uh, got the corner and took it to the house for victory and in true walk-off fashion. So you, you watch the way that these guys can kind of complement each other. And you look at the uh, the evolution of this offense without uh, Aaron Rodgers, and you really think that this could be a true blessing for us for the future to be able to see that, you know, this team can run the football. And there's been a lot of times in which we've been staring at second and sec- six to second and two. And, you know, I think there was a stretch last week where – uh, Williams was averaging over seven yards a carry on first downs and just putting us in second and short. So, you know, I, I, uh, 
I look at that, and then you look at the impact that Jones had, especially uh, you know when when he first uh, when he first stepped into that starter's role, and the 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 smoothness as to how he runs, and just uh, uh, you know you got two very very complementary backs that should allow us to be a team that uh, can can step into uh, any and every game. Uh, from from here on out and say that we we feel comfortable if we've got to run the football 20 to 25 times and we just haven't seen that around green bay wisconsin in a long long time and to see that this year we've got two rookie runners and both of them have uh uh well we've got three actually but two of these guys have have uh have eclipsed 100 yards in a game and that's just that's just uh, that's been a, a a far from a thought that of possibility in the past so um, really exciting what they've done, and you, you got to feel like they're only going to consistently get better. Uh, you know, it seems like Williams, uh, the game has sort of slowed down for him a little bit, and I think that's going to be kind of a theme with uh, with a lot of these youngsters is as they've been getting exposed to more playing time, the game has slowed down, and I think Williams, when he first started, he was just sort of running into the pile, and now we're seeing a little bit of that one-cut action that I think both of both Williams and, and, and Jones have in their uh, their repertoire, but uh, but Williams is one cut moves have really advanced as the season's gone along, and because of that, he's running up the field and able to uh, to seek out contact and fall forward for an extra yard or two. So um, it's a real cool combination. It's something that you know I can't remember seeing at uh, at running back since maybe the days of Dorsey Levins and. And Edgar Bennett, where you had two guys each week that you were really excited to get the ball in their hands. Yeah, you bring up a good point about them putting the Packers in second and short and that, how important that is to an offense and how much easier it is to convert first downs when you're doing that because even if you don't gain the, you know, the, the second down, the first on second down, it, it's still third and short and still manageable. So that's really important. And uh, I just wanted to add that it's really been a long time since I think we've seen a back with the speed of Aaron Jones on this roster. I, I mean, we've had uh, for the longest time big backs, you, you know, Eddie Lacy and, and you know, uh, before that, you know, guys like Dorsey Levins, I think, you know, they, they, the guy had some speed, but maybe not as much as an Aaron Jones here. Brandon Jackson had some speed, but he had some other deficiencies as well. So, uh, I'm excited about him, but continuing on some of these other players that are exceeding expectations for the green Bay Packers. And I want to move to the defensive side of the football here. I think one of them's got to be Kenny Clark, Scott, who, uh, just been a monster and uh, really did a good job last week in particular coming back from that ankle injury. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the, the combination of Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez together seems to be really special. Uh, you know, Clark has been a guy that is just uh, he's not just eating up blockers for Blake Martinez to roam freely behind him. But Clark has really developed into a guy that's able to shed those blockers and then make tackles. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the maximum effort that Clark brings each and every play. In each and every game, he's such a fiery competitor, and he, he brings a, a true toughness to the uh, to the interior of this defense that maybe we've been missing for a, for a little bit of a stretch. And uh, uh, his attitude, coupled next to Mike Daniels, has just been a real um, you know uh, exclamation point for this season for my eye. It's uh, and then yeah, as you said last week, he's coming about off the injury, and well, I didn't think uh, didn't think he played as well in the run game. Last week, it was it was great to see him with a pass rush. Last week, he, uh, you know, he's he, 
I think it, it hasn't been highlighted enough that, you know, Kenny Clark's only 22 years old. At the college level, he, he did have a pass rush to his game. He had a quickness to his game. And we haven't seen a lot of that in the NFL. So it was really nice to see him overpowering the interior of the Buccaneer defense last week. And the one thing that our team had been missing, I think, since the Aaron Rodgers injury is our defense and our special teams. And that, now there's been a lot of things we've been missing, but one of the things that we I, I really thought was a vital component that our team needed to add was our defense and our special teams needed to make a play. And uh, it was really exciting to see Clark uh, get to Winston and have the ball pop loose into the hands of Dean Lowry. And it was just the type of impact play that we've kind of been yearning for for the last four to five weeks here uh, to, to really get this, to get a game jump started and to change momentum. And Clark was really that guy. But, yeah, he is he has absolutely been, uh, my number one highlight um, player for uh, for for 2017 as far as exceeding expectations and. Um, he looks like he could be a Packer for the next 10 to 12 years. Yeah, really impressed with Kenny Clark. This has been the the best defensive line duo since B.J. Raji and R- Ryan Pickett the Super Bowl season of 2010, which I know isn't all that long ago. But uh, these guys are playing at a high level, and the Packers can win a Super Bowl with these two anchoring the interior of the defensive line. They're they're you know I'm just saying this isn't something you want to break up. Um, and Scott, let's, let's, you, you touched on Blake Martinez. We can expand more on him here because he's another player in this, this heaven category for the, for the Packers that I think is exceeding expectations or at expectations. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you talk about somebody making a second year jump, that's him. And, you know, other than, uh, uh, this, this last week against Tampa Bay, it just seemed like each and every week he's gotten better. I mean, the work he did against Le'Veon Bell that Sunday night at Pittsburgh was just, it was fantastic. And, you know, I think that the, the interesting thing is that Clark and, and Martinez's strengths really go hand in hand. They complement each other so well where Martinez is just smart. He, uh, he really has a great, he does a great job of diagnosing plays. And when he can see uh, the field in front of him, when he has that vision and that freedom to roam, he's, he's been a tackling machine. Uh, you know, so with, with Clark working up front with his, with his brute strength, uh, Martinez has been able to really recognize play design. And in turn, he's been a, he's been a statue, a stat sheet stuffer, right? Like each and every week he's, uh, he's double digits and tackles and, um, and he's even been active as far as uh, as far as forcing turnovers this year, too. So, um, you know, Martinez has really been you, you talk about guys that have taken the leap from year one to year two. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's been an astronomical jump for Martinez and really gives you hope that he could be one of the guys man in the middle of this defense for a long time to come. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Moving on to our purgatory category here. And uh, I'm going to start with Kevin King, and I'll place this in a little bit of perspective here because there's been some news about Kevin King this week. Um, He was placed on injured reserve on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, after this happened, Mike McCarthy kind of expanded a little bit uh, about what's happening with Kevin King, saying he will undergo surgery to repair a torn labrum. So I guess that's kind of why he's in this purgatory category. Like, you know, I th- I think he played well as a rookie, Scott, but, you know, he didn't come up with any turnover-producing plays, and now he's dealing with the injury. How do you feel about Kevin King going forward? 
You know, we need Kevin King to be a turnover-producing machine. And when you look at Dom Capers' defense, it's so dependent on uh, a secondary that's able to force turnovers. And we just didn't have that this, thus far this year. We haven't had that. And, you know, I think when you watch the way that King, uh, um, he played at the college level, and he uh, he was a guy that forced turnovers. He was a guy that got his hands on a lot of balls. And not only did he not force turnovers, but it didn't seem like he was – breaking up as many passes and i think he we king this year um you know i think he 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 did not meet the expectations that i had for him um but he showed a lot of uh, he did show a lot of good things he was able to uh to step up in the run game and, and provide really good run support when he was uh forced to make tackles in the open field i think he brought uh, a certain toughness to our to our defense he wasn't afraid of contact there but one of the things that really surprised me is at the college level, I just thought that King did a great job of turning and running and uh, using the secondary as his fr- or, or the uh, the sideline as his friend. And uh, this year, I felt that all too often wide receivers got to the inside on him. And uh, because of that, it uh, we saw a lot of crossing routes that uh, that led to big plays against King. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think that that's a that was potentially a coaching issue. And uh, and not playing to uh, to what King's strengths were, and he's a he's a he's a dynamic figure in the in that he's he's taller, he's longer from a timing perspective, he's faster than what we've had at cornerback in the past. So I don't know if there was uh, uh, you know maybe we didn't uh, identify his strengths and the way that he's most comfortable playing early enough in the season, but. Uh, um, and I know he had the injury and the, the you know, th- really throughout he was he's been kind of banged up and he wasn't able to participate in the OTAs because of, uh, you know, that uh, that funny rule that we've got in the NFL when kids are still in school. So uh, just we we didn't get to see, um, you know, Kevin King in his greatest fashion, I don't think. And I'm bullish on what his upside is. And I hope that he, too, is going to be one of those guys that takes that leap from year one to year two. Yeah, I think there were definitely some good things, like you mentioned, the the tackling and the run support. He's definitely a more willing tackler than I thought he would be. I I saw a lot of diving tackles, uh, risk-taking in college, and it didn't seem like he took that many risks. When When he dove, he got the player down, and two, he didn't give up the big play. Not to say he never got beat, but he didn't give up the long ones, which is good. I think the Packers defense has done a pretty good job in general of doing that this year. Um, another player in the purgatory category, uh, Scott, and, and a guy who's been elevated to the purgatory category, uh, Jason Spriggs. And I probably wouldn't have put him here had it just been for these past two weeks that has really shown, uh, wow, maybe this guy does have it. Because if you saw him in the preseason, it didn't look that way. You know, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's. The timing for this call is uh, is good because, uh, you know, prior to two weeks ago, we, we wouldn't have had him here. But he's shown improvement over the last two weeks and it has allowed for uh, for cautious optimism that he can develop into something. And, you know, I think for the future of this franchise, they got to get a right tackle figured out because, you know, Bulaga is uh, he's been injury prone throughout his career. And we've needed a backup there. And they obviously got aggressive and in, uh, in trading for Spriggs and really thought that he could develop. The most important piece about Spriggs is uh, his performance over the last two weeks is, you know, at, at the college level, I really thought that his two strengths were his footwork and his balance. And interestingly, to, you know, to my eye anyways, 
that's almost been his weakness in uh, uh, at the NFL. But over the NFL level, but over the last two weeks, you know, you can count the number of times on on one hand in which you felt like uh, Spriggs has maybe lost his balance or didn't have his footwork in play. And, you know, you almost have to wonder if uh, Spriggs had the game slow down for him when he was watching for what the first eight weeks or whatever it was this year. And uh, and because of it, you know, you can't jump to conclusions but uh, he's shown enough over the last two weeks to offer hope that he can continue to develop and potentially be a right tackle for the future. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I, again, as you said, uh, it's 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 uh, um, it's been interesting because prior to the last two weeks, you you might not have had him in this category, but uh, he he really has shown a lot over the last two weeks. And um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to to see how he performs this week in a must-win game on the road. I still think Jason Spriggs has to get stronger and bigger yet. I I mean, this was still, that was like something a year ago I was saying, and it's still over into year two. Maybe he got a little bigger, but I I still think those arms need to be, uh, they need to put another inch on the circumference of the arms yet. He he needs to get stronger out there. Um, but let's move on to finally our last category, the players in hell right now, and, and the guys who who certainly are young and can get out of there. Uh, but I think one of them is, is safety Josh Jones, Scott, who uh, there was so much attention on him during training camp in the preseason when he everybody just you know saw the athletic traits and thought he'd be a big part of this defense. And there's probably been a game or two that he's flashed this year. But so many times he's just invisible, I think. You know, I think that that's a fair assessment. And, you, you know, with in his defense, I really believe Josh Jones was uh, supposed to be an inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez this year. And I think that that's what they game planned for. But our secondary, I mean, Brian, when you look at the frustrations within this team, and you could start with, all right, the, the McCarthy-Hunley combo is one of them, or, you know, you, you could talk about the, you know, the, the really just Hunley in general, you could have an entire show talking about the frustrations of, of what, he's, what he's given us this year. But the, the reality is, is for me, the biggest frustration is just how soft our secondary is. It seems like every single game we're losing a player in the secondary uh, for a stretch, and oftentimes we're losing two to three players. And because of that, I, I really think that Josh Jones has been forced into action at a, at a position where he he's still learning. And, uh, you know, I, I think to touch on, um, you know, the turnover, uh, the turnovers and the force and the turnovers, it's just been non-existent for for uh, for Jones. And, you know, I, I look back to, you know, actually the game we watched together was the uh, the Cincinnati game. And I think that that's where Jones plays best is he's a, he's a guy that needs to play, um, you know, near the box where he can win with quickness. He can win with speed. He can be a guy that can drop into coverage because he's going against tight ends or or. Uh, or running backs and he's got the toughness to be able to match up with the tight end one-on-one and he's got the speed to be able to 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 keep up with the running back and I think that that's really where his his future lies he's uh um, he's got all the traits that you look for in somebody that can be a premier player in this league and uh uh, you know he's been a sure tackler he's got the speed he's uh he's got the versatility um but you, you know you keep looking at it and you're like well where is he 
And, uh, you know, you, you think back to the game against Tampa Bay last week, and you, you can't even think of a play in which he was highlighted. And it's, uh, you know, that that for me is, uh, has, uh, um, I think it's an astute word that you used when you say he's he's been invisible, because that's kind of where what, what uh, you know, you could make of it. And, you know, I think that when this defense was really being put together over the last two years, I think that there's been a real focus on this defense getting faster getting stronger and getting meaner. And I think that um, when you look at the secondary, there's no question that, uh, in my mind anyways, that Jones is is the toughest of the personalities and the fiercest of the tacklers that we've got in that secondary. Maybe that's not saying much, but uh, I do think that his persona is a step in the right direction for the future of this franchise. Yeah, you know, when the Packers drafted Josh Jones, I think they weren't sure about the future of Morgan Burnett uh, because they knew he was in the last year of his contract. They knew he's getting older. He's maybe not over the hill yet, but getting up there in age and just didn't know how he'd perform in 2017. And now you got a situation when, when Morgan Burnett is out there and healthy, he's at the inside linebacker position more often than not. And and Josh Jones has been relegated to playing deep, which they haven't, you know, I think anticipated him playing as you as you mentioned. So uh, I, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Morgan Burnett and what that means for Josh Jones going forward. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's uh, Morgan Burnett's in the last year of his contract, I believe. And would you, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to offer him money when you think of guys like Devontae Adams and Corey Lindsley also becoming free agents, that's where the, the majority of, I think, their their uh, their funds are going to have to be dedicated to. And then additionally, they're going to have to get Rodgers' contract restructured. So I, uh, I, I don't see how they're going to be able to get, um, you know, to, to get Burnett back. I, I just don't. And uh, you also got to figure out the ha-ha Clinton Dick situation and what you want to do there. So at this stage, I think the priorities have to be Devontae Adams and Corey Lindsley, and then potentially from there you're doing ha-ha Clinton Dix, and next in line would be Burnett. But I, I can't imagine a scenario, even though Burnett has been sort of a quarterback of the defense and a highly respected guy in both the locker room and in the huddle, I just can't see a scenario in which they can afford to be able to drop significant coin on him when they've had so much invested in uh, in the youth and the, at the safety position with you know Haha and 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 Josh Jones and then to a smaller degree uh, Kentrell Bryce who's also injured so I uh, I, I do not envision a scenario in which uh, Burnett is back next year. Wow, that's interesting to to hear that and and you know you 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 just mentioned the free agents there on the Packers roster they're going to have to invest some money into both a starting tight end and an offensive guard in the offseason. You know, maybe one of those guys can come from the draft, but I don't know about two. It might be a case where you're having to get another Jari Evans type of player in free agency again, which maybe you're not playing, you know, paying elite money for, but still millions of dollars. Um, so that all adds up as well. Um, last player in this category, Scott Montrevious Adams. Uh, here's a guy who, you know, he was on, you know, what was he on the, the pup list to begin the season or not, not the pup list. He, uh, no, he was, he was injured during training camp, 
but they put him on the 53-man roster to open but didn't play for several weeks. Then he started playing, and now he's not even active on game days again. Where, where are the Packers at with Montrevious Adams? You could kind of group Adams and Beagle together, and meaning that, you know, I, I think we probably talked about this at some point after the draft where I, I really thought that both of these, Beagle and, and Adams, would be uh, significant difference makers on third downs for us this year. And then both got injured, and, uh, you know, then we I think we, we had another conversation about whether that was a concern, and we, we both said yes when they both got injured because we've lost a rookie year out of both those guys. And, you know, when you look at their strengths, both of them are mean, both of them are tough, and most importantly, their number one strength out of both of those players is their get-up off the ball. And they are oftentimes the quickest player off the snap. And, um, you know, their their ability to, uh, to read the snap count, to get off the ball, was really something that I thought highlighted Adams' play in the SEC throughout his career, and it definitely highlighted Beagle's play for the Badgers in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm still bullish on both of them for the future, but it's just, uh, you know, both of them had – uh, we're injured to start the year. They got a ta- we got a taste of them, uh, uh, you know, playing in, in live action. And now, you know, last week I, I, I didn't see how many snaps Beagle played when it came down to it, but didn't seem like it was much on the defensive side of the ball. And Adams was inactive. Uh, so, you know, I, I look at it and I do think that both of those players are going to be uh, going to be pillars in the uh, in the in the program next year. And I think that both of them are going to be seeing more significant snaps next year and i think that they're uh, uh they're going to continue to develop but uh this has definitely been a lost and wasted rookie year for both there's still time but uh it just hasn't uh, it, it hasn't gone as i expected for either player this year yeah i just want to see adams active and out there and contributing uh so he makes some development strides uh but anyway scott before we let you go here upcoming game sunday packers browns what happens your prediction I think the Packers win this game, and there's a lot of good good vibes. It's almost like a Rodgers has been a mojo hotspot for this team. You know, it's just uh, he's brought some good energy. It's seeing him on the sidelines has just sort of picked up the attitude of this franchise. And, you know, I, 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 I really just got to jump to the side right now and just uh, give Mike McCarthy one quick highlight of, uh, of the way he's kept this locker room together. And you see a lot of franchises when they start to uh, have things tumble downward, I, uh, you know, it, it just it just spirals out of control. That has not happened with this franchise, and that needs to be recognized, and that needs to be stated, and that needs to be highlighted. It, it, could, it certainly easily could have with the Martellus Bennett situation. No doubt, he's lost NFL royalty in his quarterback. He lost his highest priced free agent, who just quit on the team. For a while, you know, Ty Montgomery was our number one running back. He's been done. Aaron Jones was out for, what was it, three weeks. Uh, so he was on to his third running back, uh, you know, and he's, and he's got this quarterback who I think that uh, we can all agree. And, and boy, I, you, know, I, I, you know, credit to Hundley and his attitude. He just is a smiling guy, and he could have easily had his mind in the dumps. And it doesn't seem like he's there. I mean, he's getting booed as he's walking off the field of regulation, and then he gets the ball to start overtime, and he was – he was a hero. It's uh, I mean, I mean, credit to that guy and, and the his mental stability because I think that was just a, that was a first class operation by Hunley there to, uh, you know, in that overtime and 
didn't uh, didn't get as much props there as I think he deserved. But, uh, you know, you look at everything McCarthy's been through and you look at all the injuries we've had on the defensive side of the ball. And it seems like this locker room stay, has stayed really united and in lockstep. And Mike McCarthy, throughout his history as a head coach of the Green Bay Packers, is 38 and 14, a 73 percent win percentage in December and January regular season games. And his teams consistently improve as the season's going along. And once again, we're going to see we're a beat-up franchise. We're a beat-up team. And if there's a game that the Browns are ever going to win, well, when would it be, right? You're at home against a team that is, uh, you know, level at 500. They're, uh, they're against a backup quarterback. And uh, I think if your head coach doesn't have the team ripe and ready to go, well, what happens? And this is the type of game the Browns steal, especially with our banged-up secondary. And if you, if you were being honest with yourselves, if Kaiser isn't turning the ball over, the Browns are okay. But he's got so many turnovers. He's taking so many sacks. And, you know, everything we're seeing and all the frustrations we've had with Hunley holding on to the ball and not able to read a, read a defense and, and uh, he's easily confused. Well, that same sort of stuff is going on with Kaiser. And now we're going to be rolling out a back, a, a, you know, basically a, a second string secondary against these guys. But, uh, you know, I look at it and I think McCarthy's going to come at the Browns who have an underrated defense. And I think McCarthy is going to have a lot of motion. He's going to have a lot of disguise. He's going to have a lot of misdirection. He's going to dictate the tempo of the game. We're going to see early play action. And, you know, the Browns secondary is beat up as well. And I think we're going to see a big play down the field. I know Hunley hasn't been overly consistent on the deep ball. I think he's going to hit one. And I think the Packers are going to get an early lead. And, uh, you know, I do think that we're going to see uh, more Packer fans in that stadium than we than we might expect, uh, even though it's a road game with tickets being as inexpensive as they are. Uh, and Packer fans love it to travel. So I, I do think the Packers control the line of scrimmage. I think our defensive line wins the football game for us. I think we, uh, we're consistently in the face of, uh, of Kaiser. I think we limit their run game. And uh, I see a real tough uh, tough football game, a grinded out football game, and I, I, I predict a Packers twenty to sixteen victory. Fantastic, I love it, uh, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, greatly appreciate it. I'll give my prediction in a moment here, but uh, Scott, nice talking to you, and uh, we'll see you again next month. Hey Brian, keep the faith. Go pack up. Two more things. Okay. I'm, uh, uh, one other prediction. I'm calling it Jeff Janis end around. We haven't seen it all year. I expect to see that this week, right? right? It was it was a highlight in December last year. Let's bring it back. And then this week, I'm calling for Lindsey Pickens to see the field, and I'm 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 expecting him to uh, to make a play as well for us in the secondary. Be good to yourself, Brian. Go pack go. <laughs> see ya. Go back. Go. Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog, joining us here as he does the second Friday of every month here at Railbird Central. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it, and uh, we're just going to go with uh, my prediction, basically, for this segment here. Um, We covered most of the news that, you know, the the big Kevin King news was the biggest news since our last episode, and we covered that already. So just my prediction for the game, you know, this isn't a Packers team that I fully trust but these are the winless Cleveland Browns we're talking about here on Sunday. 
Uh, I think going up against a rookie quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser it will make this Packers defense look good, and, and perhaps that'll give them some confidence heading into the Panthers game the following week, which will be really important if the Packers win. Um, as far as the Packers offense goes, uh, they've shown an ability to win ugly, and I think that trend will continue, especially playing on the road in December when conditions might not be ideal. Uh, I don't think even if the Browns are really bad, the Packers can put up big numbers regardless. Uh, Hopefully they'll be able to rely on these rookie running backs again who've been very good. But I think the Packers can grind out 24 points here uh, or thereabouts. And and I say the Browns score 20. So Packers win 24-20, keeping everything alive for Aaron Rodgers' potential return. And hopefully we're talking about that one week from now. Uh, moving on. The day ahead. All right. On Friday, head coach Mike McCarthy will hold his final press conference ahead of the Browns game at 9.45 a.m. Central Time. Of course, that's always streamed live at Packers.com. Then on Friday afternoon, the Packers will release their final injury report of the week, complete with game day status projections. And we're probably wondering about more than anyone about the cornerbacks, specifically Devon House, who has a shoulder injury, suffered during the Bucks game, uh, although he played through it, but he hasn't practiced yet this week. So I tend to think, you know, he'll be in that do not practice category and questionable for the game. You know, if he, if he played through it last week, Maybe he'll play through it again, especially in that, you know, he hasn't practiced this week. There hasn't been any more wear and tear on the shoulder during a week of practice. So hopefully that's able to get him out there because without him, this is a very inexperienced secondary because you know who also hasn't practiced this week and taking the place of Kevin King when he was placed on injured reserve. They, they, as we talked about before, as, as we kind of expected, the Packers activated finally Dimitri Goodson off injured reserve, or pardon me, the, the pup list. Uh, but, but he hasn't been able to practice this week because of a hamstring injury. And that really, you know, it, it didn't have to do with, maybe it has something kind of to do with the knee and that, you know, sometimes you're overcompensating for things. <laughs> but here he is. He returned to practice, and now he's prompt, you know activated and promptly out again. Um, he hasn't practiced yet this week. Don't know if he'll be able to play on Sunday. So if not, the Packers going to rely on Demarius Randall and Josh Hawkins as your perimeter cornerbacks, and then you've got the guys who are going to guard. The, you're going to have safeties guarding the slot. You're going to have Morgan Burnett. You're going to have Jermaine Whitehead. Um, and maybe the Packers get Lindsey Pipkins involved. They didn't last week. They have in the past several weeks. I'd like to see it because I think that Vikings game when he played, he played so well. Um, I like what I see out of him. I'd like to see him out on the field. I'm not really sure why. That, that one's a big question mark to me after he played so well that game to then bench him. Uh, just kind of. I don't know why the Packers are doing that. I, I think he's worthy of taking a, a longer look at. So anyway, uh, we're looking at the defensive backs when the Packers release their injury report here. All right, Saturday, kind of a cool thing, is the annual holiday-themed Festival of Lights at Lambeau Field, a family-friendly event free to the public taking place inside and outside the atrium. Activities last from 5 to 7 p.m., 
uh, with all sorts of things going on for kids. If you if you have a family, you can bring them there to decorate cookies. Santa's going to be there. Holiday movies and cartoons will be playing on television screens. High school choirs will be singing there. But the main event is the tree lighting that will take place at 6.30 p.m. This is the big tree that sits out in front, outside the front entrance of Lambeau Field in the atrium. Uh, so they'll light that up. It's got hundreds, if not thousands, of lights on it. It's really cool. Uh, and then that'll be followed by the Winter Jubilee Light Show at 7 o'clock p.m., the Laser Light Show. That's that's part of the Titletown District. And, and this isn't something that just happened Saturday. This Laser Light Show from the top of Lambeau Field happens every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, every half hour from 6 to 9 p.m. throughout the ho- through the rest of the holiday season, through like the new year here. Um, it's really something cool that they do. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I'd love to see it. And, um, I, I just think if, if you're a Packers fan and are going to, uh, live within driving distance of Green Bay field, or you're coming up to a game in the future here, go check it out. Uh, it seems really cool and everything they're doing with the, the newly opened skating rink at the title town district and, the sledding hill that they haven't opened yet, but hope to do so soon, uh, once conditions allow and they can make some snow, uh, which it's it's starting to finally get cold enough. Uh, having <laughs> past few days have been really cold here in the state of Wisconsin, with highs not getting out of freezing. So uh, that we're we're on the precipice of that kind of weather. Uh, then the game, of course, Sunday, 12 o'clock p.m. televised on Fox, and then all the other ways you can watch or digest the game whether it's the Packers radio network or streaming live through the NFL's official service however you watch games uh or listen to them uh that's what's going on on Sunday so good luck to the Green Bay Packers and that's going to do it for today's episode thank you everybody so much for joining us thank you to Scott McKenna for being our guest uh we're going to break down the game on Monday uh, and uh, looking forward to that just three days from now. So that's it. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Uh, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. I leave you today with a song called Break, Build, Burn by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. Go, pack, go. Go.